Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodaychicago.com. The prayers of Jesus. So we are going to be talking about um, some of the prayers that Jesus prays, right? I think it's a very important um, concept for us to, for us to go through. Um, I'm going to start with this. Functional atheism, the belief that ultimate responsibility for everything rests with us. This is the unconscious, unexamined conviction that if anything decent is going to happen here, we are the ones who must make it happen. It explains why the average group can tolerate no more than 15 seconds of silence. If we are not making noise, we believe nothing good is happening and something must be dying. Palmer, Parker Palmer. He is a great theologian that talks a lot about the holistic view of what it looks like to be a Christian in all aspects of life. And so I think that's really interesting because I think oftentimes we really do think if something's not moving, it's not working, right? If it's not moving, something's dying. And so this week, our prayer practice, as you know, we, we have these little cards that we would love for you to take, is to hope to get you into a practice of what it looks like to be practicing the prayers like Jesus. So this week is contemplative, slash centering prayer. Um, this is a practice that was really big um, back in the early church. Um, and it's the idea that in silence, we come to know God. What a concept, right? In silence, we can come to know God. And so this is the idea that instead of always asking and talking to God, what, if, what, what would it look like to be in silence and learning who God is? Big difference, right? Like, who is the God we're, we're praying to? And so in these moments of being silent with the Lord, you're able to produce fruit that looks much different than being a prayer warrior. You are learning the stillness of his voice and the comfort of his presence. And so this week, we are gonna be practicing contemplative and centering prayer. Um, I as someone who very much can relate to not liking to be quiet. I have ADHD, I'm very loud. My job is talking to six-year-olds every day for eight hours, so I like to talk, you know? It's, it's a thing that I like to do. So being silent is a really, really big deal for me because it's not my normal. And I also know that people that really like their solitude and introverts really like that alone time. But I think it's interesting when you move that into being silent with the Lord, it's someone's going to start invading your space. And that's okay. And that's welcomed. Um, and so we're going to go through the, it's, it's a, there's four, four steps that I like to do in the centering prayer. The first step is posture yourself in a comfortable position. I like to sit upright. Second is to find a grounding phrase. So Lord Jesus Come, be present. These kind of words helped you bring back your distracting thoughts to come back to the place of where you know God is. And that's, and that's in, in this time. Um, and then you close your eyes and you sit and you take very deep breaths and you repeat the words that you've chosen to do throughout this whole prayer. And when your distracted thoughts come, because they will, you repeat the phrase over and over again during however, whatever the allotted time is that you'd like. And then when it's over, you quietly open your eyes and reflect on what it feels like to be centered and to be in God's presence without saying anything. It's a pretty beautiful practice. And I would challenge you to try it this week. I go anywhere from five to seven minutes. It's not very long, right? But it's really, really mind, mind um, fullness, and it changes a lot of how you posture yourself to the world because you know where, what, whose it is you are and what presence you're walking in. Um, and so 
as, as Joy was reading the scripture, we see in Gethsemane how um, Jesus had silence in this prayer, right? He had silence from the Lord. And I think that's what's so interesting about this passage. Um, just to set it up, before, right before Gethsemane, I also am really bad at pronouncing words, so I'm probably just gonna say the garden because I just, it's really difficult. And I, in my mind, I'll be thinking Gethsemane, Gethsemane, is a, we don't know what's going on, so it's gonna be the garden. So grace upon grace, okay? Um, okay, so right before they go to the garden, they have the Last Supper, this amazing moment of feasting of the disciples committing their obedience. I will never, forsake you God like there is no way someone would have to kill me before I say that you're not who you say you are they were fiery they were excited they were here for it and then Jesus goes away takes three of his the closest ones to the garden right and Jesus says to his disciples sit here while I go over there and pray he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. At the beginning, Jesus' first steps is to bring people into his pain, right? This first moment, the first three verses of the most tragic portrayal of what Jesus is feeling, he's like, I need these sinners with me. I need these these, these friends, will you, with me in this moment. Right? We, I think we miss that. I think we miss the idea that Jesus was fully human, but also divine. This humanness needed companionship. He needed people around him, even as he knew that he was going to have to walk this journey alone. He needed people with him. So his commitment to community was huge. And I think it's even more interesting in his pain, we see his commitment. In this idea that these words sorrowed to the point of death, like, he felt like he was dying in that moment. I often think of the, of the image that I was thinking this week was when a parent loses their child unexpectedly. They fall to the floor, right? They fall, they can't even contain the tragedy and the angst and the horrors in their mind and they fall to the floor and just can't stop weeping. This is the, this is the intensity that Jesus is feeling. It's not glorified. It's not something great to see. And in that moment, it's oftentimes really easy for us as humans to not want people to see us there. We have, there's a lot of studies that are around like the idea that we can be weak and we're not strong and all of these things. But I think Jesus is showing us right here what it looks like to bring people into a really uncomfortable position of their life. So why often do we not do that? So why often do we not bring people into that pain with us? Why so often do we hide? I often think it's easier for us to fall asleep, right? Like the disciples, it's really easy for us to sleep and to be like, if I just go to sleep, nothing is gonna happen. If I just go to sleep, I can completely gloss over this whole section of my life and not worry about the the responsibility I have towards this person, to this pain, to this feeling, to this emotion. But Jesus is like, no. You need to fall to your knees and trust people when when you say, I am overwhelmed with a sorrow to the point of death. Overcome with grief, the disciples in Gethsemane fall asleep instead of praying. Immediately afterwards, their courage fails them and they abandon Jesus when they need him the most. Luke contrasts them to Jesus, who through prayer gains the spiritual strength he needs to remain faithful to God and God's mission. His point is clear. If we want to have the courage to remain with Jesus when things get difficult, we need to be people of prayer. 
I think this is a beautiful picture of what it looks like to be a prayerful people, right? Jesus, his commitment to community is one of them. I think that, and I, and I often think too about just the, the failure of us humans, right? We've all been hurt by humans. This is a, this is a thing that it's, it's, a, it's a thing that's plagued us since the beginning of time where we've, we've, we've failed, right? And I think it's really easy to, when you walk through something painful, to have an experience of someone not showing up for you be the default for as you continue on in life. And I would challenge you to fight against that, to be willing to be like, okay, someone did not show up for me, but I'm trusting that the next person I trust in my pain will show up for me. And to keep going and to push through that barrier of the idea that I have to be alone in this because that's not true. I think, I think of Peter. I think of how Peter failed multiple times. Here, he fell asleep on Jesus. The next time, he denied him three times. And then he goes on to be one of the greatest disciples of all time, an apostle, right? Says the first, the first sermon in Acts. We see how through our failure, how that intimacy with God has grown. Through our failure, growth happens. And I think that's what's the most beautiful picture of Jesus showing us here is that through the failure of his disciples falling asleep on him in his moment of need, how they turn that into one of the most glorious revolutions ever. I also like here how Jesus is so honest with his prayer. He's not like trying to hide, right? He's not trying to look a certain way. I know that if I was writing the Bible, I would not put these honest words in, in scripture because it looks really scary and sad and anguished. Luke says that blood, he was so warm that like blood was dripping, his blood vessels were breaking, right? That anxiety, that intensity, right? He fell to the floor. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will as you will. We can sense in his posture how he's fully coming to God, knowing both sides, right? He knows that this is the God who has called him where he came down from heaven to be, to be a man, but he still is feeling the feels, right? He is still feeling the full weight of his humanness in this moment in time. I think what's so beautiful about this is when Jesus is coming to God is an opportunity to be more knitted to the Father, right? We are constantly growing into who Christ asks us to be. It's a stunning example of what it's like to be formed unto Christ, right? Oftentimes we pray prayers because we need things to happen, but I often think that being more like Christ is what the prayer should actually be. What would it look like for us in our moments to be like, God, how can I be more like you, right? That's what Jesus is doing here. He's saying right here, right? May this cup be taken for me. I don't wanna feel this pain, but I know that you are good and I want to be a child of you and be knitted to you and who you are, to be more like you. What a beautiful prayer, And then after that, it's just silence. Nothing. He's on the floor crying out to God. And we don't see the heavens open up. We don't hear a response. We hear nothing. For an hour, he says he prayed for an hour. What would that look like? 
to sit there in your anguish and hear nothing, and then to come back to your friends who are asleep. It's pretty mind-blowing. It's pretty, it's pretty real. It's the reality that oftentimes we don't hear anything. But I think it's interesting that Jesus does this three times. He keeps going back to the fact that I trust in this God, I trust in this God, and I am being more formed to him. And this isn't a catch-all. It's not just like, oh, not whatever your will is, God, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, no, it's actually the idea that I am bringing my full self to, to God, my full needs, my full wants, for them to be in design and in line with Christ. I did a cute little book club this summer before my um, work starts, which is tomorrow. Good God, we're praying for uh, in-person school. Amen. Okay, so um, I did a book club with my cutie friend, Joy, who did the scripture reading. Um, Rich Velotis said, think of boredom during silent prayer as an act of purification. In this uneventful moment, God purifies us of the false God of good feelings. While good feelings are gifts, They can easily become the ends in themselves. We can move from worshiping the living God to worshiping our spiritual experiences. I often think when when we pray, we want the heavens opening up and and the light shining down, which happen because God's a good God and a miraculous God. But I often want to know what it's like to be more like Christ because I know that's going to get me much farther than an answer to my prayer. Um, this week, uh, I was hanging out with some gals, and um, I was telling Chloe this, this picture that I had when I was reading the scripture, and the idea that what if we look at God as not a silent God, but a working God? What would it look like to trust God working despite hearing him? Right? What would it look like to trust that when I'm going through something really, really hard, that the God who I see all around me is there beside me working, he just may not be talking? I feel that would drastically change how we're going through life because we believe a garden, it's, it's expansive, and if he's working in that garden with us, he just might not be talking to us, but I, I believe that he's still working. Right? In this moment, in Luke, it says that the angels ministered to Jesus. I doubt they were talking. They could have been talking, but it doesn't say that they were. They say that they were ministering and strengthening him. I rely on the fact that when God is silent to me during these moments, that he is working alongside me. And I know that because of the people around me. I see him working in my friend's life, and so I know that he must be working in mine as well. And sometimes it's scary because it doesn't look the same, but I can trust that God is faithful. I also think this picture is a beautiful picture of Jesus's full humanity and fully divine. This is the moment where I think they come together because Jesus has known all along that he had to take this cup. It's not a surprise that he had to go down this path, but I think that we often forget how human he is and how full of emotion and tangible weight that it feels to have this burden. Take this cup, but your will. He is showing fully who he is. He is showing the breadth of what it looks like to be human. What would it look like to take our full self and our full emotion and, 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 and give it to God? I think that's, that's, that's something that I struggle with all the time. To being fully present with God and fully knowing that I can bring my full weight of emotion. And I think oftentimes 
We get scared to go to the places of deep, deep pain because we're just not used to it. We live in a world that really advertises like a a glossy, clean front, right? We don't really glorify, right, the hard, hard moments of, of suffering and things like that. But the inner and outer are coming together in this picture. My outer life of what it looks like who I am to the outside world and then my inner life of what I like am inside. I think Jesus is meshing these together so beautifully. I think we can often hide behind the facade of what we're telling others. But in reality, what's actually going on deep in our soul? Um, I think the idea that, that Jesus is embracing the fact that he's feeling these things and is saying them out loud is something that's very important. When he's, when he's telling his disciples how he's feeling, how often do we fully tell our friends how we're feeling? There is so much intimacy in the fact when you are so vulnerable with the people around you. I can't think of a, a time when you feel more knitted to your community than when you were fully, fully raw with them. Um, and uh, Ian Bounds on prayer says, prayer is based on the purpose and promise of God. Prayer is submission to God. Prayer has no sign of disloyalty against God's will. It may cry out against the bitterness and dread weight of an hour of unutterable anguish. If it is possible, let this cut pass from me. But it is surcharged with the sweetness and promptness of submission. Yet not my will, but thine be done. Prayer in its usual uniform and deep current is conscious conformity to God's will based upon the direct promise of God's word and under the illumination and application of the Holy Spirit. There is a uniting in this moment of what it looks like to live in the world, but to be formed by Jesus. And I think that's what's so interesting about this, about this passage. He knows the Father's will, but he's being so sensitive to his sorrows and emotions that he has to confess this. And he knows that when he tells this to, to the Father, it's only going to bring more intimacy and understanding. I like the idea that Jesus keeps going back. I don't think you can ever go to the Lord enough when it comes to prayer, to moments, five months, five years. I think the beautiful thing too is that he is speaking this out in a hopes that he will find some comfort in it. And I think that that's where the body comes in. What would it look like to find comfort from your friends in times of great anguish and sorrow? And I think that it's, 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 quite, it's quite beautiful. Um, I uh, am a big, big John Mark Comer fan, Bridgetown Church. He's incredible. And so I was, they did a whole series on prayer a couple years ago. And I've been reading this book called God on Mute. And it's all about how God's silent. And... It's this idea that God is often silent. And I would recommend it. It's an, it's an incredible look at what it looks like to suffer through chronic illness. His wife is very sick in it. Um, and it was an incredible picture of just how to trust God when, when it's not going your way. And 
He said this, whenever we carry a burden to God in prayer, begging, please, please, won't you, can't you? And yet God remains silent. We may assume that he is unmoved as long as our eyes remain downcast and reverently at his feet. But when in our pain and shame, we dare lift our gaze to study his countenance, we find his face bent down near our own, wonders of wonders, great shining tears are in his eyes. I think that's the, that's the humanity and, and the, the, the great care Jesus has for us. I think it's oftentimes that, how many times do you hear, I, do, I often just want to be heard. I just want to be heard. That's the biggest thing that I hear oftentimes from, from people going through intense traumas. I just want to be heard and cared for. You often don't have to have an answer. And that is what I think our hearts are longing for when we come to God. I just want to know that God hears me. And can I tell you, he does. He is looking upon you with big eyes and tears and feeling every feeling you're feeling. And in this moment, he is showing you what it looks like to feel pain. And Jesus is doing it and showing us. Um, as we close, silence and obedience and formation are very hard. They are not easy. It's not something to look down upon. It's not something that you're like, I um, want this. But in the reality of life, it happens. We see the people that Jesus spends day in and day out with fail him multiple times. I think we can put ourselves in either situation. We can be the Jesus where our friends are asleep. Good God, if, if Emily was asleep and I was dying, I would don't know what I'd do. I probably would lose my mind. I would like be freaking out. So our friends are asleep on us or we're asleep on our friends. Right? Like either way, you, you cut the cloth. We're, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult experience to understand that we as humans fail. And we are so grateful that we have a God who fills in those gaps for us. Like, honestly, we are so thankful. And this week, I would love to challenge you to community. What would it look like if you are, if you're hearing me say these words and be like, oh, this is an area that I really do need to either confess to someone because I need help. It's great anguish. It happened, um, I have a really tender family history that I need to tell someone to pray for me through. I need to be heard. Um, commitment, commitment to keep going to Christ and the idea that I could be more like Christ through, through this. And the second thing is confession. What would it look like to confess, to ask for prayer for something that's been weighing me down for so long? What would it look like for you in this moment to be like, God, I'm feeling these things. I no longer want to hide. That fullness of knowing that you are a son and daughter of Christ who wants your, the fullness, who wants to look at you and hear you and care for you so deeply. And I'm not saying God's going to have an answer, but I do, I do fully know that he will meet you and his warmth will envelop you and his Holy Spirit would dwell in you. And if you're in a community, I, I promise you, if you're, if you're a community at, at Missio de Wrigleyville, they will for sure meet you in those needs. Um, my prayer today for you is that if there is something that's standing in the way of you being your full self with the Lord, would you ask him to reveal it? Because I already believe God is working. I believe full heartedly that before I spoke, he was working. 
I believe full heartedly before you came in these doors, he was moving. And would, would we pray that he would continue the work in us today, in you today? That if there is something you need to confess, that you would confess it. If there is a place you need prayer, you'd ask for prayer for it. If it is the idea that you need to be reminded of who Christ is for you, would you take communion? That these moments here are, are moments for us to be knitted to the Father, that our formation would be formed more into Christ and who he is. Because at the end of the day, that, that formation is what brings the most peace to your life and the most joy that you could ever find. So as we go on, may we continue to practice the way of Jesus together. Um, may you please stand as I pray. Can we all take a deep breath in and out? I've been praying this very simple prayer lately. May we lean on God in all things, church. May we be reminded of his faithfulness from those around us. May we be reminded of his steadfast love by the people in our lives. May we be reminded of his goodness. By the way that we love others, God, would you be with us? Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.